Good morning everyone. I'm here at the spectacular Strand Beachfront to share with you the second sermon in our series, The Art of Neighboring. Last week, Michelle shared a very powerful message where she spoke about putting love into action and living out the commandment of Jesus, which said to love our neighbor as ourselves. And uh, I must say that as I was listening to Michelle, I was really inspired and uh, really convicted about putting this into action, loving my neighbor as myself, as I'm sure you were. Um, it was definitely something initially I felt, you know, wow, I, I was a little bit uh, kind of repentant about the missed opportunities. But then I felt an excitement building as I realized that, you know, this is something that God really wants to lead me in and create opportunities for and, and, and lead me into loving my neighbor as myself. Um, the, the only problem was that as excited as I was on the Sunday, I found that as the week started, things just went crazy. First of all, my daughter decided to go in non-stop play mode and have a party every evening at 3 o'clock in the morning. Then I somehow planned my work to have all the deadlines on the same day and everything else went crazy. And before I knew it, four or five days had gone past and I realized that not much had changed. I hadn't been loving my neighbor as myself more as I intended to do. And that's the tricky thing sometimes. We hear an amazing message. We feel the conviction of God. We feel the excitement of the Holy Spirit as we say we want to live this out. But then life happens. So many responsibilities, so many commitments. And we, we don't live the message out as we want to. And before we know it, one week goes by. And then another week. And then another week. And before we know it, we're actually not listening to what Jesus said because we're so busy and so much is going on around us. And this morning, I wanted to speak to us about creating that space. And what better place to look to than Jesus who gave us the commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, Jesus gave an amazing story in scripture, which I want to share with you this morning, which comes from uh, basically, it's a story of his life, which comes from the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 10. So I want to ask that you turn with me now. It's going to be up on the screen, but please turn there if you have your Bible with you. We're going to read from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 41. So why don't you follow with me? Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are so anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will be not taken away from her. So, Father, we just thank you for this word. We thank you for what you want to teach us from your word. And we thank you that we can put it into practice in an incredible way. So, this is a, a powerful story about two sisters. I must be honest, I was quite offended the first time I read this story. And the reason for that is I can so relate to Martha. I've been in the situation where I've been there trying to serve or trying to do something. People were supposed to come along and help me, but they didn't rock up. And I was stuck there by myself. 
And I, I can associate with Martha who felt this in the story. And she feels all alone in her serving and she goes to Jesus. And if anyone is going to basically tell the other person off for not joining her and stick up for a cause, it's going to be Jesus. But the crazy thing about the story is that Jesus turns around to her and says she's anxious and troubled about many things. And that her sister who left her, is, um, left her in the lurch is, uh, has chosen the good portion. Um, and that, that it's something that won't be taken away from her. And Jesus is a very clever teacher because he basically often uses offense and surprises to make certain principles stick with us. And of course, that is exactly what he's doing here in this text. And he turns the situation on its head and uses it to teach Martha a very important principle, a principle about what is the most pressing need. And that's why I'm going to call my sermon this morning a most pressing need. I've often heard this story explained and myself thought of it where you almost look at the sisters as being two different type of people. Martha being the type of serving person who always does stuff and Mary being more the listener, devotional type of person. But I don't really believe that is the emphasis of the story. I think we can learn a lot when we actually look at the two sisters and see what did they have in common on this occasion or in general and what differed in this occasion. I want to propose to you that I think actually both sisters used to serve quite often and the reason I say this is that when Martha was left to, 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 to serve alone she said to the Lord won't you tell my sister Mary uh, to join me that she's left me. She didn't say won't you tell my sister once in a while to get, get up and, and come and help me? Won't you teach her about serving or teach her about not being so lazy? No, she gave the impression that, that Mary usually would help her, but today she left her in the lurch. And I also believe that both women intended to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his teaching because we see that Martha was actually the one that invited Jesus into the home in the first place. And she was intending to listen to his teaching just as much as Mary actually did. So what is the difference between the two sisters? Well, on the one side, scripture says that Martha was distracted with much serving. What was distracting her? While she was serving from Jesus's words later about the good portion, she was serving and probably creating a meal for people there. But what happened is this idea of serving actually took her away where she wasn't listening to what Jesus was telling her. And maybe it was a, I think it was probably a cultural norm. You know, if someone comes to your house, you need to serve. And it was something that was expected from society. But she followed this so much to a degree that she was totally distracted from what Jesus was saying. And this reflects in the commendations that Jesus gives to each of the sisters. Because, of course, he, when Martha complains to him, Jesus says that she's anxious and troubled about many things. And he says that Mary has chosen the good portion. This story, I believe, gives us a warning and an encouragement. So first to the warning, get the, 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 the less nice part out of the way. The warning is that even the best of things, something like serving, something like 
good manners in that culture, what is expected of the culture, can become a bad thing when it takes us away from Jesus' teaching and from doing what he wants us to do. And how can it be a, a, a bad thing? Is Jesus saying that we should totally disregard these things? No, of course not. He spoke about that if, if someone wanted to be a leader of all, he must be a servant of all. He spoke about how brilliant serving was and is. And I believe he's using it in this example to show how even the best of things can take us away from his purposes and doing what he's told us to do. And how does it get take how does these things how do they take us away from doing his purposes well it happens when we don't involve him with the process because we see that Martha was serving in a particular type of way and even when he's teaching she goes and interrupts his teaching so that he'll have words um, with Mary about uh, about not serving with her and Jesus flips the situation around to actually teach her a very powerful principle so Jesus is not saying that good things are necessarily bad in themselves, but if we take him out of good things, they can become a distraction. What good things do we have in our lives? Well, we think about it, the most important things, to, to name a few, are things like career, family, lifestyle, things we love to do, our hobbies and things that are, are, we're meant to enjoy in the creation. Jesus wants these things to be amazing, and he gives us instruction in all these areas. However, I believe this is where lordship comes in. Uh, we see that these things need to be under the lordship of Jesus. And we need to ask for his direction in the way we do these things. Because always with our careers, our families, our lifestyles, there's always going to be demands. And we need to ask Jesus, what is the way that we should conduct these things? And how can we do it in a way that prospers these things, but in a way that advances his kingdom? And I truly believe that good things like these, like serving, like family, like lifestyle, like our careers and providing and blessing others, these are things that are not meant to take us away from Jesus, but take us actually to him. Now for the encouraging part is we see from the story is that Jesus is encouraging us to go for the good portion. Why is listening to what he wants the good portion? Well, ultimately, he says to Mary that what she's chosen is a good portion which no one can take away. And I believe there's allusions here to the fact that when we listen to Jesus, it has eternal consequences. But more than that, it's what he wants us to do. And each one of us, we can all do things that please people. But ultimately, the person we need to please most is Jesus. And we're going to need to give an account to him at the end of our lives when this life is finished we're going to have to give an account to him about how we used our lives. And I think that, you know, it, it's awesome if we can say that we followed what Jesus wants and asked his direction in every area with the needs that we have in life. The amazing promise that he gives from Matthew 6 verses 33 is that if we put his kingdom first, he will also prioritize our needs and provide for all of our needs. So we know that we can trust Him. And as we, as we prioritize His needs, we will, of course, see His blessing in all these areas. So let's bring this to our current context of the series we're doing. Our most pressing need at this moment, with all the busyness of life, is to listen to what Jesus is telling us to do. 
And what Jesus is telling us to do is to love our neighbor as ourselves, something that flows from us loving God. There's so many people out there who are desperate for some kind of love, who are facing terrible situations, who are, are, are basically looking at an eternity without God, and they desperately need the love of God. And this is such a pressing need right now. And I believe that God wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves, but we need to make space and make room for this. Oftentimes what can happen is sometimes during prayer, it's funny how we can be facing an issue in some of the good things like families, careers or whatever. And like Martha went while Jesus was teaching and said, Lord, don't you want to do this? We can obviously petition the Lord and say, can't you get involved with this and try and make his priorities our priorities. The interesting thing is that this promise from Matthew 6 verse 33 says that when we actually prioritize and ask for his direction and place things like family, career under his lordship, apart from having those eternal consequences, he already takes care of those things for us. So I think a lot of the time in prayer where we, we try and petition Jesus all the time and say, Are you dedicated to my career, my family, can you help with this? We need to realize that if we dedicate our families, our careers to him and say, how do you want us to direct these things? How can we change them? How can we use them for your purposes? That naturally will happen, that God will show his faithfulness and he will sort out these things in a much better way than if we tried to sort them out ourselves. So I just want to end off by going really practical with this commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves and how we can do it and make it a most pressing need in our lives. Are you going to make space in this busy world to love your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus told you to do? The first thing we need to do in a real practical side is we need to plan and put it on our calendar. We need to be resolute like Mary, who was willing to prioritize this so much. And we need to, maybe it's a case of saying, this one or two days a week, I'm going to set aside time where I have dinner with a neighbor. I go out and I meet people. I spend time with people that need the love of God. Maybe you're at the stage where you realize, okay, well, my calendar's too busy and I can't do this. Then we need to be like Mary and say, I'm willing to drop a few balls and rework my schedule. Maybe I can, I can drop a few family commitments or a few commitments with a, with a school or even work commitments um, to create space so I can love my neighbor as myself. Are you willing to make that sacrifice to fulfill what Jesus told you to do? And maybe it's a case of changing what you do. For example, this week, I realized I really like to de-stress by running and to keep fit. And I already spend a bit of time with my daughter in a running pram and I've got the dog with. But I realized I was running very selfishly because I was just going around and interested in getting fit and I wasn't really engaging with the neighbors. And I realized that if I'm spending this time, maybe I need to spend the time running a bit, but then stopping and speaking to my neighbors when I see them, not being worried about my time or, 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 or what schedule I should do for that day, but actually running around with the intention of still getting fit, but using it in a way that I'm engaging and getting to know my neighbors so I can love them more. What is the thing that God is telling you to rework?
We also need to be like Mary and not worried about the expectations about society, telling you how to be a parent, how to do work, how to live your life, because those things also take us away from, from the purposes of loving our neighbor. We need to place all these good things, family, career, everything else that's good under the Lordship of Jesus. And especially in this busy world to say, Lord, tell me how to work these things that I can do it in a way that brings you all the glory, that loves my neighbor, but also does not neglect these things. And I believe that Jesus is waiting to show you the most incredible way. So I want us now to take just a quick moment where you just search your heart and say, God, what are you saying to me? What is the Lord asking you to plan? What is he asking you to change? What is he asking you to, to maybe give up and to surrender to him? And I believe he'll show you. And I'm just gonna pray for us now and, and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. So Father, I just thank you that we can be faithful to this commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves. We know that this world is so desperate for your love, but sometimes, Lord, it feels so crazy. Life, there's so much to do, more than we could ever have time for. Won't you give us wisdom to do things in the right way, where we can love you with all of our hearts and lay things down at your feet so that through them we can love our neighbors as ourselves, as you want us to do. And thank you for the way you're going to use it, multiply it, and do incredible things and change this area forever for your purposes. We thank you for your awesome goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.